What if AI could help your business deliver mission-critical outcomes with speed? With IBM Consulting, your business can design, build, and scale trusted AI using Watson X and modernize the way you work to accelerate real impact. Let's create AI that transforms your business. Learn more at ibm.com slash consulting. IBM. Let's create. The following is a high five moment from highfivecasino.com. Welcome to Burger Yippee. Would you like a hot apple pie today? Yes. Yes. Yeah, I won. Woohoo! So that's a yes on the apple pie? I just went big time playing high five casino on my phone. Real cash prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. Yeah. So yes or no on the apple pie? Whoa! <laughs> I won again. I'll take that as a yes. Drive around. Have you had your high five moment today? Only at highfivecasino.com. High five casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High five casino. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money, but are your bills even accurate? It's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million to save. Visit HealthLock.com today. That's HealthLock.com. From the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Uh, yeah, Bill Maher is becoming one of my favorite conservatives. He and I disagree on the size and scope of government and a lot of other things. But when I watch his Friday night show, he's regularly saying what I'm thinking about a number of topics. And on this one, it had more to do with the way we're spending money in the economy. And looking at the economic factors right now, it feels like we're back in that headspace that will never run out of cash as long as the Fed doesn't run out of ink. I'm just saying, if we're going to do a new Roaring Twenties, Let's do it this time without the two things that made the last one suck. Prohibition and a depression at the end of it. <laughs> I am no money expert. I only turn on Jim Cramer to scare away the birds. <laughs> but it does seem like the market is a little divorced from reality these days. It's odd that the real economy has been full of news of unemployment, bankruptcies, and going out of business signs since COVID hit. And yet the S&P is up 76% in that time. It can't go on forever. We can't all win. It's not the ticket machine at Chuck E. Cheese. (laughs) A share of GameStop isn't really worth more than a share of Toyota. To bail ourselves out of that depression, we spent over 10 years, over 10 years, 6% of our gross national product. To get out of COVID, we spent in one year 26%. The way we're handing out money, you would think it had an expiration date on it. In 2008, when the global economy was on the edge of collapse, Congress passed what was considered a massive bailout of $700 billion. So massive, over 100 protests broke out across the country. The Occupy Wall Street movement was born. Now, <laughs> the word billion is so last decade. <laughs> Congress has passed $6 trillion to fight the war on COVID. Two trillion more than we spent to win World War II. You know, the big one. Four years of desperate fighting against a murderer's row of bad guys 
all over the world and under it? Not to mention this thing was kind of expensive to make. The bomb. All that. In today's dollars, four trillion. This, six trillion. Picture of a slacker on the couch. <clears throat> yeah. I don't know how it's going to turn out. Neither does anybody else. But man, there's just we're doing all kinds of unprecedented things. That's the stuff that worries me the most. Is the economists that say, you know, nobody's ever tried this before. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I think it's too late. I'm half encouraged by the fact that even the Wapo was writing about this. Tony Rom, R O M M. I don't know his act, uh, but he he wrote a piece in the Wapo. Uh, the headline is Biden to unveil major new spending plans as Democrats eye bigger role for government. Yeah, I read that. Yeah, and it's uh, it's a pretty frank piece about the tr- mind-boggling amounts of money being spent and how the Democrats, what's the line I liked? As well as the public's willingness to embrace the sizable tax increases on wealthy families and profitable companies that may be necessary to help finance the burst in federal spending. But you've got the spending and some of those stats that Bill Maher had there are just amazing. Um you know, compared to other crises throughout history, including World War II. It's just absolutely amazing. But then you get, you know, you got all these unknowables that have never happened before. The number of people that are involved in the market that aren't professionals um, and the way that's affecting everything, the way investing happens with the whole, you know, uh, computer's, investing a million shares a half a second and all that sort of stuff. All those things that are new, who knows how that's going to turn out. Like Bill Maher said, and it's absolutely true, it's just part of life. Everybody can't win, and it doesn't last forever. It, and, but but, but we're, we've been pretending like it is that way for quite some time when it comes to the stock market. And the interest rates are already so low, we no longer have that as a tool if the economy were to sputter or falter or whatever. So, yeah, that's an experiment. I like this note we got from frequent and insightful correspondent Amani. It's talking about our previous discussions of this, uh, the, another $4 trillion in spending. It's almost like we're wandering through a dense fog with very little visibility, and we know there's an edge of a cliff out there somewhere. Instead of using extreme caution and carefully feeling our way through it, we're sprinting. Sprinting, blindly running full speed, hoping things work out. No one knows how this will end. Many Americans think this is scary, but I'm sure China's kicking back, grinning ear to ear, watching the show as they snack on a bucket of popcorn. We might be heading toward the point of no return. We don't know. Nobody knows. Are we, the the people that are okay with this believe that we're such a giant, powerful economy and, uh, you know, everything's so good in terms of our growth that we can just absorb it. It's like if you're spending recklessly, but you got a really good income, you can cover it up. You can you can absorb it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, experience has taught me both in you know real life and politically speaking that there is always an unknowable twist out there. You think you have all the facts, but you don't. Something is going to happen that fundamentally alters the trajectory of this, of what you think is going to happen. And it's almost never like so great everything is perfect. 
What do you it's usually do? an impediment? What do you do if you have a world war on top of this? And you're already in this position, or or another pandemic, or whatever. If we had another pandemic, it was worse, which is not impossible. What are we gonna? How many? How many trillion dollars are we gonna spend then? Some sort of tech-driven, perhaps uh, evil agent-driven uh, collapse of the banking system. Right. I don't know. Well, you know, yeah, the possibility yeah. of things falling apart has always exist, but it seems like we're just... Well, if you've ever been on the edge financially, and luckily I haven't been for many, many years, but if you're walking along the edge, it only takes, you know, your car breaking down to push you into some really bad territory. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I hate to use the incredibly worn out metaphor, but it's like we're intentionally spending every single buck in our credit limit on our credit cards. Every single credit card is at the limit. And if we get any money, we immediately spend that to make sure we're still at the limit. And then thinking, yeah, but things are good. We'll be fine. I don't know. What's... uh. Oh, and his stuff What's, about the Roaring Twenties was kind of interesting, the setup to that, because uh, I've, I've heard that term uh, a lot in the recent week about, you know, this could be another Roaring Twenties, because the previous Roaring Twenties from the 1920s was also coming out of a pandemic in World War One, and, uh, and, and, you know, all kinds of sexual mores and partying and uh, wildlife spending... I need to knew this and that became popular. And are we about to head into that now? Or are we already are already there? Certainly the spending part. We haven't come yeah. out of the pandemic enough for people to run out into the streets and, you know, group orgies or whatever's going to happen. I don't know what the roaring twenties are going to look like this time around. You know, uh, what I was starting to say earlier was that uh, politicians have figured out they're never called to uh account for what they've done they're they're never forced to take responsibility no after they've lost left office armstrong and getty jack armstrong and joe getty i forewarned you let's go brandon the armstrong and getty show I was uh, listening to some rock and roll the other day, and uh, the Who's Won't Get Fooled Again came on. Oh, some of the best lyrics ever written. Meet was, the new boss, same as the old boss. One of my favorite phrases ever. Really, the entire lyric is great. It it got brutally overplayed in the 70s and 80s to the point that I never wanted to hear it again, but now I do want to hear it again because it's brilliant. And Roger Daltrey has uh, not one but two of the greatest screams in rock and roll history, and I was listening to that and realized I never had the balls to write a song. That included a scream like that. <laughs> um, do they write that on the like? If I look at the lyric sheet, will it just ah? Will it, like, do, do they put that in the lyrics of the song, or is it just maybe something it just that, says yeah? Although this is the kind of thing you work out in the studio, really. We yeah. need something here, uh, but yeah, because I can do a pretty good rock and roll scream, but never. Of course, my my band is kind of more alt country than the Who, but anyway, yeah. Ah, Sean, you had a, 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 a fabulous, hilarious party question before we get into the bulk of the podcast. <laughs> yeah, this was uh, tweeted by stand-up comedian Jessime Peluso, hilarious. Uh, she asks all of her followers, if your genitals had a famous voice, who would it be? And she claimed that hers would be Angela Lansbury. Oh, that's sophisticated. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> sophisticated and old. You ever seen uh, Angela Lansbury when she was, like, first a movie star? Knockout. She's melt your face beautiful. Really? Yeah. Oh my god, stunning. Like, is that a real human being? 
Almost like one of those Disney uh, cartoon princesses where they're just too pretty. It's ridiculous. Smoking, she wrote. Oh, yeah. Hat. Anyway. Uh, Dro- okay, Droopy so if- the dog. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hi, Gills. You don't, you don't want to again. <laughs> I understand. I won't. I won't dignify this question. <laughs> I will. Mine would be Frank Caliendo doing John Madden. Wow. Yeah. And I feel like that could also give me because now I got Caliendo, so I can pivot to all sorts of different impressions. The one with a comedy routine. Yeah. Uh, humor is sexy. That reminds me of what were those guys that we had in Are you gonna, studio? You're gonna talk about the the puppets, puppetry the, of the, the penis. All oh, right. Jeez. Yeah, Did they, you ever see them? They they were uh, yes, they were quite the thing in my early radio career. They uh, you were in not person? the only show that interviewed yeah. them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, I didn't try of the penis. God, we couldn't <laughs> oh, do that right. now. That's right, they were Australian Aussies, dudes. yeah. <laughs> we couldn't no. do that now, could we? They, nope. they they did their thing. He he would, he contorts himself into various things. The yeah. Eiffel Tower. The sailboat. <laughs> Hamburger, baby bird. Oh, that's right. Oh, you that's were terrible. Oh, yeah. terrible. And, oh, and he did God, it in the so studio. Disturbing. And they put like, uh, well, we you know, we don't want to offend anybody, so we like put a curtain over the glass and only co-workers, women who wanted to see it came over and watched, and those who didn't want to see it didn't have to see it, which I actually think is perfectly reasonable. Sure, but of course. That's perfectly reasonable. Do you want to see a guy's penis? No, then don't come over here. If you do... <laughs> then look the other way. Um, right. But uh, yeah. but now you couldn't do that at all. Cancelled! Yeah. yeah. So uh, the School of Rock reference was uh, Dave Grohl, I guess? Somebody I, asked I, I him. Don't, I don't like the tone of voice I used there. Maybe we should edit a different tone of voice. Because I, mean, I sounded like I'm really disappointed in America... <laughs> <laughs> that comedians can't go around contorting their penises into shapes for workplaces anymore. It. No, we're leaving that in. The tone was the tone was fine. <laughs> I act like that's Jack a real wishes there was more visible penis in American workplaces. No, but I can't use the Just same. Say it. I can't use the same tone of voice that I use for the schools shouldn't be closed. <laughs> For and men can no longer contort their junk. What's <laughs> happening to America? Exactly. <laughs> I thought this was America. <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> Fair enough. So somebody apparently asked Dave Grohl uh, what three albums he would choose if he was doing a music class. I happened to see uh, a chunk of the School Rock the other day, the uh, Jack Black movie. Mm-hmm. I've, I've never seen the whole thing for the, the usual reason. I had a house full of babies when it was a big hit, but um, uh, it's charming. It's utterly charming. It's a good movie. I can see why people like it. They've done some uh, reunion concerts with the kids and Jack Black again and stuff, too. It's, oh, that's uh, fun. Yeah. 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 Uh, go ahead. Let's roll Dave Grohl. You're going to want to get the Beatles Sgt. Peppers. One reason is because that album still connects the way it did the day it came out. Now, if you want to be a drummer, you're going to want to get the ACDC album Back in Black. That is like, that is rock and roll drumming 101. A third album, I do like to dance. Let's just go with Saturday Night Fever. Like, look, if you put Saturday Night Fever on, it's going to feel like Saturday night. It could be a Monday morning. So uh, I would have to go with those three albums. Wow, that's kind of funny. Yeah, I would love to teach some sort of worthless two-credit college class about uh, music, rock music. Not any more worthless than the music. I took a rock and roll history class in college. It was just a complete waste of time. The guy, mm. he was an old hippie. He, you know, his his teenage years were the '60s, and he just acted like everything the Beatles and Bob Dylan did was um, the apex. Well, no, it was just he took it way too seriously. Changed I, I like, the world. Yeah, it changed the world. Yeah. I like talking about music. I like music. But sure. Let's not pretend that we 
you know, we cured cancer here with various right, songs. Sure. Yeah, the world seemed to do a pretty good job changing in the 19-teens, for instance. Yeah. 1936, there were a fair number of changes, and Bob Dylan wasn't there. Hey, the world just changes. Have you ever heard the Phil Collins, George Harrison story? I just read it yesterday for the first time. Are you aware of that? I don't think so. I couldn't I tell. I actually thought, I thought, is this like the story Joe said? Yeah, I heard that 40 years ago. Or So Phil Collins, when he was 19 years old, played bongos or little drums on a George Harrison song. George Harrison, one of the Beatles, when he when he his first solo album, whatever it was, mm-hmm. and uh, so a night in 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 a nineteen year old Phil Collins got invited to play, I think bongos on one of the songs, and nineteen, jeez, and when the album came out, Phil Collins, who was a nobody, uh, heard it and the bongos weren't on there, and he just ah crap, you know they didn't use my they didn't use my stuff. Mm-hmm. I didn't really think about it. Then he ends up being a big giant star and meets George Harrison many 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 years later, like. 40 years later or something like that. Um, and it oh, couldn't have been that long ago. because George Harrison's been a while. But anyway, it was decades later. Uh, he meets George Harrison. He says, hey, I know this is, sounds crazy, but I got to ask you. When I was 19 years old, I participated in the, this song, and I played the song, and it never made the cut. And I don't know what he said. And George Harrison said, man, I got all the master tapes. Um, I could probably figure it out for you if you really want to hear it. Um, wow. Or and <laughs> And Phil Collins said, that'd be pretty cool. So a while later, he gets in the mail, he gets the master tapes of the recording session of this song. And and he puts it on and he listens to it. And at the end, it kind of it's kind of stops at one point. And then George Harrison says, hey, what is that noise? What is going on over there? And they said, oh, that's the bongo thing. He said, God, get rid of that. Whatever that is, that is terrible. <laughs> um, so Phil Collins calls George Harrison back and says, thanks for saying it. He said, this is kind of funny. I don't know. Did you listen to that before you sent me? And George Harrison said, no, no, I don't know. Um, he said, well, you actually are on there saying it's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> and then George Harrison lets him know that he brought in a band, re-recorded the song like the day before and made all this up. He put in oh, some bongos. Oh, it was all And then says, what are those bongos? That's terrible. <laughs> He just said, I don't have any master tapes of that stuff. What are you talking about? What? Oh, my God. <laughs> Isn't that fantastic? That is great. He went to all the work to re-record one of his famous just songs. Just a dick with Phil like Collins. Like a cover band just to pull one over on Phil Collins. I need to <laughs> drastically readjust my favorite Beatles rankings. That is a hilarious yeah. joke. That's oh my great. God. It would take oh. a tremendous amount of effort unless you're a gazillionaire with a recording studio I'm and lots of musician oh. friends. But how funny is that? And the ability to replicate, you know, an incredible recording session, too, more or less. <laughs> Those bongos suck. <laughs> That's freaking hilarious. I know it. That's one of the funniest pranks I've ever heard. Wow. That's great. Armstrong and Getty. The following is a high five moment from highfivecasino.com. Welcome to Burger Yippee. Would you like a hot apple pie today? Yes, yes, yeah, I won. Woohoo! So that's a yes on the apple pie? I just went big time playing high five casino on my phone. Real cash prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. Yeah. So yes or no on the apple pie? Whoa! <laughs> I won again! I'll take that as a yes. Drive around. Have you had your high five moment today? Only at highfivecasino.com. High five casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High five casino. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, 
a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Thinking of popping the question? Diamonds Direct has an offer you can't miss. This month only, buy a natural diamond engagement ring of 1 carat plus and receive a free natural 1 carat diamond tennis bracelet valued at $2,000. Imagine giving her the ring of her dreams and her wedding gift all at once. No one provides education, selection, and value like Diamonds Direct. Your chance to get a free tennis bracelet from your friends at Diamonds Direct won't last long. Details at DiamondsDirect.com. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. Point of personal privilege. Don't get brazen with me. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Tim Sandifer is the vice president for litigation for the Goldwater Institute. He is the author of several excellent books, including more recently, The Ascent of Jacob Bronowski, uh, Frederick Douglass, Self-Made Man, and one of my all-time favorites, uh, The Right to Earn a Living. Oh, plus The Permission Society, which was inspired, he says, by conversations on this very program. Uh, he is our smart friend. He condescends to speak to us. It's Tim Sandifer. Hello, Tim. Hey, thanks for having me back on. Oh, it's our pleasure. According to your avatar, you're still bearded? Yes, that okay. is right. Nicely trimmed this morning. Fantastic. Good lead question, Chad. <laughs> Would you like to follow that up? Yeah, actually, this is a pretty good lead question. So I'm looking at this poll that was taken right before Ruth Bader Ginsburg's death, asking the public... How do you feel about the makeup of the court? Because that's what all this fight is about. This is why people get so worked up about it. They're worried about, you know, it's going to move too far this way or that way. So they polled people, and the plurality of Americans felt that the court was just about right politically. 42% said it's about right. A third said too conservative. 23% said too liberal. How would you uh, describe where the court was politically, is politically, and where it will be if Amy Coney Barrett gets on it? The court was moderately conservative, and it will become a little bit more conservative. But the problem is that that kind of question is is basically meaningless unless you're talking about what issue, what legal subject you're talking about. Because, you know, these justices have views about criminal law that differ from their views about civil law or contract law or property rights and things. And those just do not break down into any sensible conservative versus liberal axis. So... The court in general will be more more conservative than it was before, but really what you need to talk about is what specific issues uh, will the court change on. Right. It was interesting how you phrased the question, Jack, too, that uh, how will it be uh, now politically as opposed to judicially, and that is... That is a thing that is smeared, whether intentionally or unintentionally, in the media, media that a, a liberal court could conceivably come up with I mean, a, an activist court could conceivably come up with outcomes that conservatives like politically. And a very conservative judge that thinks, you know, all in all, we ought to stay out of most things might yield an outcome that uh, that liberal voters like. 
Um, how especially because especially because a lot of conservative judges kind of pride themselves on not using their political views in their judicial decisions. Justice Scalia, very famously so, was of the view that you know at, when I take my position as a judge, it's my role to enforce the law as written, even if I disagree with that law, and they, they kind of take it as a badge of pride. So it really isn't fair to to, to characterize the court in broad political terms for that reason. So uh, it's come up a bunch of times over the last couple of days that she is an originalist. What is an originalist? An originalist is a a, a person who believes that the Constitution should be interpreted in terms of how it was meant or understood in the 1780s when it was written or in the 1860s when the amendments were passed or what have you, as opposed to the idea that the meaning of the Constitution's text changes somehow over time or that it's or that it is an abstraction like a philosophical abstraction that a judge interprets in in philosophical terms so there are different kinds of originalists and so there are some who think that what's important is what the people individually thought when they sat down to write the constitution in philadelphia in 1787 and then there are others who say no what what matters is what the average person would have believed the Constitution meant in the 1780s and so forth. So there are differences even within these these groups of, of scholars. But in broad terms, an originalist is a person who thinks the Constitution me- means today what it meant when it was written. Is, uh, is a textualist an originalist, or is there a difference? It, there are differences. Uh, okay, I mean, this it depends on who you ask. For example, I do not consider myself an originalist, but I do consider myself a textualist. What I mean by that is that I do think that the text obviously is what matters. When you're reading the Constitution, you have to understand what those words mean, not what you would like them to mean. What they mean now or what they broad. meant at the time, because uh, that can be different, I can it? That's exactly the problem, exactly the problem. So an originalist says, well, it means what they meant at the time. And a, a textualist does not necessarily think that. So, for instance, Justice Gorsuch, in the recent case about discrimination against uh, people who are married to members of the same sex in the Bostock case, Justice Gorsuch is basically a libertarian. He ruled that the, the, the law does prohibit that kind of discrimination, even though nobody believed that at the time that that law was written. So that is a textualist argument as opposed to an originalist argument. He's not just making it up as he goes along, so he's not like a living constitution guy, but he doesn't think that the meaning of the law is created by the uh, historical fact of how it was written. Would the, you know, not to get too far off on the Second Amendment, but would the uh, the, the, the founders who liked the Second Amendment, would they uh, believe that a person could own their own cannon? Because that would have been the most powerful weapon you could own in the world at the time, I think, as a cannon. You know, I'm reminded uh, of, uh, I had a professor who, who, from Russia when I was in college, and he used to speak about this. He said, he said you know, yeah, I, I have friends in Switzerland who really do have tanks in their garages <laughs> because they're all members that are all, you know, required to serve in the military. It's not a big deal there. Uh, I think that the Founding Fathers would have thought that you have a right to possess firearms for self-defense, and then when it comes to something like a cannon, they would have said no. Okay. Interesting. Tim Sandifer is on the line from the Goldwater Institute talking about the Supreme Court in general and the nomination of Amy Coney Barrett. Uh, positive, Sean, is now an appropriate time for your, your question? Yeah, sure. Um, so uh, just a point that I saw made on Twitter that I thought was interesting, and I, I would love to hear uh, your pushback against it. Um, 
uh, does an original list, since the Constitution, and maybe the, this premise is wrong, only mentions an army and a navy, does that mean that the Air Force doesn't exist to a Constitution or an original list? And if any rulings came about, about that, they would have to say, well, it doesn't exist in the Constitution, therefore no funding for the Air Force or, or something like that. <laughs> Yeah, this is this is not at all a stupid question. So congratulations, congratulations, well, John. I respectfully disagree. No. Shoot, but go on, Tim. In the case of squirrel versus acorn, <laughs> <laughs> so the the answer to that is if you are if you ask the best originalist sneakers out there, and that's people like Randy Barnett, his professor at Georgetown, his answer would be. We're not looking at the specifics of what was written in the Constitution, but at the principles that they wrote into the Constitution. So the fact that they said the armed forces in the Constitution means that whatever is in, is designed as an armed force falls within what the Constitution was originally meant at the time. That, and maybe that's a persuasive argument. I actually don't think it's a persuasive argument for very sophisticated reasons we probably don't have to get, uh, get into. I, do, I think the Constitution clearly gives Congress the authority to create an Air Force, but not because that was in the minds of anybody in the 1780s. Okay. Does the Constitution, and this is more about Twitter than you, Sean, does the Constitution actually specifically mention the Army and Navy at all? Or just armed forces? Yes, it's a, it does. No, it says Army and Navy in, some, in one place, and it says uh, armed forces in another. Okay, mm-hmm. excellent. The Unconstitutional Air Force. I'll does it mention uh, <laughs> Elvis Costello's fabulous uh, album, Armed Forces, at all? That's in that's in the, the, the Article 12. <laughs> so that's what I thought. Let's get to where the rubber meets the road or the sensible flats meet the, uh, the black robe in this case. Mm-hmm. Why has the Supreme Court become such a major part of American life in a way that it wasn't as much in the past. Why is everybody so fevered about it? The short answer is abortion. The long answer is the New Deal from the 1930s. So the, what ha- all of this is about the politics of abortion because of the Supreme Court's decision Roe versus Wade in the 1970s. And since that decision, there's been a concentrated effort to get that decision overturned. And part of that has been to elect presidents who are going to nominate Supreme Court justices who believe that the Roe decision was wrongly decided. Now, of course, if Roe were overruled today, it would not ban abortion in the United States. It would mean that it was up to state Supreme Courts to decide whether their state constitutions protect abortion rights. And several states already have done so. California, uh, Kansas, all sorts of states have issued decisions saying it doesn't matter what happens at the U.S. Supreme Court. Abortion is a protected right at the state level. So that's the easy answer. But the long-term answer is that ever since the 1930s, Congress has been given such expansive powers, powers that the Constitution does not contemplate, that it's become a really important priority to make sure that nobody gets on the Supreme Court who starts to say, wait a minute, all this stuff that the federal government has gotten itself into, and state governments also, in the past 80 years or so, there's no constitutional foundation for that. And it really conflicts with a lot of in the Constitution, so maybe we should rethink that. That would be very dangerous to lots and lots of bureaucrats and to lots and lots of people who get paid for not working from the federal government and, and state government. So they, it's very important that they prevent that from ever happening. So that's the, the and, and, you know, what has happened then is Congress passes these incredibly broad, incredibly vague laws, which then courts have to go in and figure out what they mean. So that means it's very important to control what goes on in the court. Isn't that a lot of it? I mean, that's what Senator Ben Sass com- keeps complaining about Congress not doing their job. They leave it so open-ended, and they want the court to deal with it so that they don't have to. 
That's exactly right, and and he's totally right about that. Google, the, it's, and the ever, of course, Congress has huge incentives to do that, right? Pass incredibly vague laws that that look like a good thing, and then you can go home to your constituents and say, "Hey, look, I'm I'm a great guy. I did this. Uh, I passed this great law." But it's so vaguely worded that there's no real downside at first, and then gradually, then it's the court's responsibility to figure out what these laws mean, and the court starts saying, "Well, gosh, this is a very good law." Well, by that time, you've passed the buck. By that time, you've already been reelected to Congress. So you don't have to worry about it. And if anything goes wrong, you can blame the judges. I have a, a final question. But first, uh, Tim, a glimpse into our lives. We got the, we were talking about Ben Sass a great deal. We quoted him yesterday. Got this uh, note from Jerry. Ha ha. You said Ben's ass. Thank you, Jerry, for that contribution. <laughs> now, see, now, now, see, now, see, that is not a textualist interpretation of the thing. <laughs> All right, here is my closing two-headed monster of a question. What is the worst Supreme Court decision that has not been overturned? Uh, you can deal with that first if you like. That would be Jones and Laughlin Steel versus National Labor Relations Board, which is a 1937 case that basically said that every single employment contract in the country can be regulated by the federal government. Ugh. And and secondly, did you watch any of the uh, confirmation hearing stuff yesterday? Oh, God, no. Actually, I, I watched about 30 seconds of it, but the problem is it's so horrible to watch when you are a lawyer and you care about these things because it's like watching a television channel that's devoted to nothing but filming children fighting at a school playground (laughs) no 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 that's not right because it would be more like children who refuse to go to school fighting on a playground right it's like watching csi with an actual cop they just spend the entire thing saying, oh, God. Well, that I love how they made a big deal about the fact that, that, that she didn't have any notes on the desk in front of her. Like, what notes do you need to answer questions that stupid? Or questions <laughs> that aren't even questions, these two- or three-minute-long monologues that these senators are giving that aren't even questions that have nothing to do with her. Well, it's clear you didn't watch yesterday. They got a half hour each, and some of the guys just droned on for an entire half hour and didn't even acknowledge the presence of the, the young woman there at the uh, the. the table so hey before we, before we run out of time do i remember correctly that you don't have a problem with uh uh just a simple majority for the senate to put supreme court justices on you said it's not in the constitution so you don't have a problem with it am i right about that do i remember that, that? that's exact. yes that's right and in fact i i'm of the view that supreme court nominations ought to be more politicized than they are i think it's a shame that nominees are coached never to answer substantive questions about their views of the law and that we then place these people on the court when, without really a clear idea of what they in view the Constitution as meaning. And I, and I think it would be healthier for our society if we had much more lengthy and more political debates over who gets put on the court and who doesn't. Interesting. So I, don't, just, I don't know how that would happen. Just but. understand, you're not saying, how would you decide this case more on what's your view of the Constitution, what's your philosophy, that sort of thing? I would even ask a justice or a nominee, what do you think that such and such a case ought to be overruled? What do you think about this legal precedent? I absolutely would do that. Yeah, and these are people who are going to have life tenure on the Supreme Court of the United States. We should know what their views are of the Constitution. And expanding the Supreme Court, how do you feel about going from 9 to 11 or 13 or whatever? Well, I think there, there's... There's no constitutional reason why you can't do it in terms of like the text, but it's a really bad idea. That's, that really is a, the, a road you go down that ultimately destroys the constitutional system and turns everything into politics. And if you think everything ought to be politics, 
then you you know you have no reason to cherish the Constitution. And the only reason to expand the to pack the court to expand the con- con- court and that sort of thing is because your program cannot be justified in constitutional terms. And so you're saying basically, well, I've invented a new place. I'm going to throw out the rule book. And that's that's a really bad idea. Tim, the lawyer, Sandifer, vice president for litigation, the Goldwater Institute. Uh, Tim, always enlightening. Thanks a million for the time. We'll talk again soon. Looking forward to it, guys. Armstrong and Getty. The following is a high-five moment from HighFiveCasino.com. Welcome to Burger Yippee. Would you like a hot apple pie today? Yes, yes, yeah, I won! Woohoo! So that's a yes on the apple pie? I just went big time playing High Five Casino on my phone. Real cash prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. Yeah. So yes or no on the apple pie? Woo! I won again! I'll take that as a yes. Drive around. Have you had your high-five moment today? Only at HighFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High Five Casino. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Thinking of popping the question? Diamonds Direct has an offer you can't miss. This month only, buy a natural diamond engagement ring of one carat plus and receive a free natural one carat diamond tennis bracelet valued at $2,000. Imagine giving her the ring of her dreams and her wedding gift all at once. No one provides education, selection, and value like Diamonds Direct. Your chance to get a free tennis bracelet from your friends at Diamonds Direct won't last long. Details at DiamondsDirect.com. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. Two hundred depression. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Judy and I went uh, furniture shopping yesterday. Need a little furniture for a guest room, and uh, we stopped in one of those places that that has like handcrafted American furniture mm-hmm. first. And uh, oh my, I feel like oh, here's a little drinking game. If you're listening to the podcast later on in the day or whatever, uh, take a drink every time Jack states or implies that I'm a bad person. I really okay? like well-made furniture. I get a kick out of it for some reason. I do too. Handcrafted, absolutely. But this place, American handcrafted furniture. If I were to outfit like a living room, dining room, and bedroom. It cost more than my first house did. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah. It's so expensive. And I said to Judy a couple of times, I appreciate it's American made. I really do. And it's, it's of great quality. And I could hand it down to my kids and the rest of it. But good God, I can't spend this on a, a dining room table. I no, can't. I said I really like it. And I think it's cool. I don't buy it. <laughs> so then I got we a went couple to of things like that, but not many. We went to one of the cheapo places, and I felt like, you know, we were looking at the bedroom set for our guest room because our furniture in there is just terrible. It's it's embarrassing. And uh, and uh, some of the cheap stuff, I feel like I could pull it apart like King Kong. Oh, yeah. 
and just to smash it. So that's a little cheap. So we went kind of semi-cheap. So if you ever come to my house and stay in my guest room, no, we just we we pretty much cheaped out on you. It's it's not expensive. But we bought a number of things fairly recently that. I think they're designed to be used as furniture, but they seem like they're designed to be staging furniture for a home you're showing to not actually use it for anything. Because you oh god, don't open the drawers, don't open. No, it's like a movie set. (laughs) Right, it's it's completely fake. But anyway, so the point of this is, we go to, we finally find uh, like the the most expensive thing in the cheapo store. I figured that was a a, a sweet spot, and uh, we go to check out, and the gal who is doing the paperwork. I'd not run into this before. She had very ample bosoms. Okay. Way to check out the rack on the salesperson, Joe, and with your wife there. Well, she's right there in front of Oh, take a drink, everybody. So, um, (laughs) so she's sitting there with a low cut blouse and her enormous bosoms. Oh my God. Here's the problem. You having a good time, Joe? Here's the problem. She had like a jewel placed Right between her bosoms, like where you would tuck a pen or lipstick or something, she had a shiny jewel right there. Hmm. So why does any woman wear any jewelry? So it's looked at. And so she's got this shiny bauble right between her, 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 her tatas. And I'm thinking now, I get, cause it kept catching my eye. It's shiny, it's sparkly, and I like ah, ah. That is a decent question. Why would you? Is there a name for that kind of jewelry? Is it called a necklace? Boob bobbles or a boobless? It's a necklace, but but if it's way down, actually between your, because I've seen those, they're way down in the cleavage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But are those designed? Are you supposed to look while. at them? Are you supposed to pretend they're not there? And if I, if you don't, if nobody looks at it, then what is the, what is the, what's the point of wearing it? Yeah. I mean, I'm a raving, flaming heterosexual man. I appreciate women on every level. I'd like to think, uh, but I don't want to be a pig. I'm not Andrew Cuomo over here. And so I just, what, what, ladies, if you wear that, what, what do you expect people to do? Stare at your boobs. If you or say least, nice necklace, is that like, but it got nothing to do with her neck. That's true. Um, what do you call like it's a brooch? Is there a name nice for that? Boob brooch. Text, ma'am? text line four one five two nine five KFC. Nice boob brooch, ma'am. Try that next time, and then you'll have another story for the radio. Very attractive. How does that uh, stay in place? Is that just the uh, just your uh, mm-hmm, yeah? Mm, that's nice. That's great. Very classy. And get the following is a high five moment from highfivecasino.com. Welcome to Burger Yippee. Would you like a hot apple pie today? Yes, yes, yeah, I won. Woohoo! So that's a yes on the apple pie? I just went big time playing high five casino on my phone. Real cash prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. Yeah. So yes or no on the apple pie? Woo! I won again! I'll take that as a yes. Drive around. Have you had your high five moment today? Only at highfivecasino.com. High five casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High five. Casino. Diamonds Direct has done it again. This month only, get ready for an offer you can't resist.
August. Buy a natural diamond engagement ring of one carat plus and receive a free natural one carat diamond tennis bracelet valued at $2,000. That's right, a stunning diamond tennis bracelet at no extra cost. Imagine giving her the ring of her dreams and her wedding gift all at once. So hurry into Diamonds Direct. Your chance to get a free tennis bracelet will not last long. Details at DiamondsDirect.com. Your new home journey starts at Fisher Homes, where everything is red, white, and new. Explore exclusive summer savings and start your journey by selecting your ideal home site and your dream community. Choose from a variety of expertly designed floor plans and bring your style to life at the Lifestyle Design Center. Are you looking for a quick move-in ready home instead? Fisher Homes has options for those, too. Fill out a form to connect with a new home advisor at fisherhomes.com to get started today before the sun sets on summer savings. 